0: all right bearded butchers coming to you today on our podcast this series building a niche brand so we are talking about all the things that have happened both consciously subconsciously um that have brought our brand some divine
1: intervention divine we intervention
0: brought our brand to the current level that it's at and um in week one we talked a lot about barriers to entry maybe even scared you a little bit and said you know don't do it um it's an ever-changing landscape that we're in and we had even gone so far as to say that if we had to start over again um we may not be willing to do it now having said all that we would because it's just
1: kind of in our nature to never quit And we said we would we wouldn't do it over again simply because of the amount of work that it takes to get it to where it's at today. Um, Right. Obviously, the revenue is nice. You know, we're supporting a lot of families throughout this brand, but um, it just it just took a heck of a lot of work. Yeah.
0: So where we left off in uh, episode one of this series was right about when we had gained a lot of organic traction. And this had been done with the use of our cell phones. And we saw a major upgrade in early 2019. That's why we have Spencer sitting with us. Um, Spencer was that major
1: upgrade. Well, I remember I remember mom coming to us. It it, it always <laughs> mom has been such a great influence in, in our lives, not just personal, is our mother the <laughs>
0: one constant you know
1: oh i think obviously our parents both of them our father and our mother have had a lot to do with where we're at today absolutely mom mom's always been the one that's that's watched our content and listened and 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 really had you know some opinions on how we could improve and things like that um and i remember her coming to us and she's and she was like you guys really need microphones and i'm like Why do we need microphones like you can hear us just fine then and then you listen to yourself back and you're like no she's right we really need microphones so um, Spencer Perkins he's our nephew our older brother Sean's um, son and he we're going to go into asking him some questions about all the editing all the gear that he has and just his natural talent for producing some pretty awesome content for you guys hmm Sounds good. Okay. Um, so we
0: had the opportunity, but now we needed the expertise. And that is where Spencer came in. Spencer, do you feel like when you joined the channel, your very first video, I was just looking it up, that you filmed was the, um, the, the How to Butcher a Bison. I don't know the exact title because I navigated away from it. But mm-hmm. do you feel like you were an expert at that point?
1: Well, if I could just jump in here for a second. Um, how many years... Of education did you have for create for editing creating absolutely zero oh, formal education there it is yeah <laughs> no Self-taught.
2: all right go ahead I would say I was absolutely not a professional when I did that video and I look back at it now and I'm like, man what was I even doing because well for one so I when I got into film I didn't even have the YouTube channel in mind I just was like oh i I like cameras i want to buy a camera and see what i can do with it i've been making you know when i was a kid i would do little stop motion videos with my ipad and my legos and stuff like that well didn't you have that duck too that's that what was that? the the rubber chicken chicken. chicken. (laughs) (laughs) i I had a youtube channel that i made a bunch of videos with uh this rubber squeaky chicken (laughs) doing all kinds of stuff and yeah it was at that moment yeah right (laughs) we knew the the rubber chicken is what kicked (laughs) this all off (laughs) No, uh, so I bought a camera, it was like a $500, it was a Lumix G7, Panasonic Lumix G7. And you know, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, the photos and videos coming out of this are insane. Amazing. So good. What, and what was that shooting in? 1080?
0: 1080p. Okay, Yeah,
2: and so um, the sensor size was micro four thirds. So basically the size of what the, the sensor that gathers all the light in mm-hmm. and gives you your image. And that's one of the smallest uh, main sensors that you can buy today. Right now, I'm shooting on Super 35, which is a little bit bigger. And then there's full frame, which is like the standard, what everybody wants. So this camera was micro four thirds. Um, It doesn't take in as much light. It's not as sharp. It uh, obviously is cropped in, so you don't have as wide of a field of view. And when we shot that first bison cutting video in the cooler we decided to do it in the cooler because mm-hmm. we thought it'd be cool to have the carcasses oh it was in cool the it was freeze it was I, cold i wore a
1: winter coat the whole time <laughs> and did, didn't all you i did use, was i sniffled <laughs> the whole did, time didn't you use your your cell phone for your
2: second camera i didn't i should have i used a gopro, GoPro. hero oh, okay. 4 and it looked absolutely <laughs> terrible so for one the lighting in the cooler not good yeah i i Didn't know anything about lighting at that time. Sure. It was all about cameras and what can I do with the camera. Um, But second of all, all I did with the good camera was I put it on a tripod. Mm. (laughs) It sat there and got everything. And then I had the GoPro on like a little stick and I was holding it above the table Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get the overhead shots. And yeah, a lot of the comments were complaining
1: about the, no, the GoPro I, quality. Don't beat yourself up too bad because those two videos are sitting at some pretty good views. Yeah, yeah so I mean, their first, they're first one big over videos. a million views.
0: Combined, they're well over two million views. So, And that's mind-blowing to me. So very for your first for your first
2: very shot, a right, couple, couple million views yeah. on
1: YouTube, it's kind of a big deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what the watch rate on that is, but to have that many views on a video, in my opinion, of a video that quality, which is not good at all, I mean, I'm... What, i'm not upset with that what and what about audio i remember early on yeah you had actually brought that up. actually audio was really good on that video because we got the uh tascam dr 10 l's one of my favorite pieces of equipment they're just little lav mics record to an sd card sound amazing sure. and you had pointed out early on with us how
0: important audio was
2: yeah i still believe audio is 70 percent of the video because I personally would watch a video with great audio and not as good video. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the audio is bad, like if there's a video that I come across that the audio is panned all the way to one ear. So if I'm wearing headphones, it's only in my left ear. I'm clicking off. Sure. <laughs> immediately. I'm not watching it. it. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're generally self-taught. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you've had a few mentors along the way mm-hmm. in um, working at, at church, correct? Yep. yep. Um, I personally feel because I think what any brand may have or, or, you know, certainly in our case with our brand is, you know, we had opportunity, we lack the expertise, um, you know, personality definitely comes into it. So if you're if you've got material that you can gather, um, it has and it's starting to resound with the audience. It has to be um, done at, a, at an expert level mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, you'll lose your audience if if you don't keep up. So,
0: I think that's something that's really unique with you. Is and and then the other thing, too, you had mentioned a tripod on one of the first videos, but when filming, I think you know what's going to be happening as it's in motion because of your um butchering expertise or you've been around butchering for so long. So, Spencer literally grew up in the butcher shop, um, handling a knife, so he knows. Where the camera needs to be, and I think that brings a real f- um, first-person feel to Whoa. our videos because you 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 hold your camera. Um, I noticed you hold your camera a little like like lower most of the time. Is yeah. that something that you you
2: learned? Well, the biggest thing for me is just that's where it's the most comfortable to hold, mm-hmm. and you know I'll get fatigued uh not as fast sure when i hold it down by my waist or my stomach level but also uh if you hold the camera lower and shoot up to the subject they look bigger so i'm making you guys look bigger in the process (laughs) fantastic can you get a little lower (laughs) from now on my dude it works Um, magic
1: because if i would hold it way up here you guys would look like midgets scott 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 didn't know that i'm actually paying you to hold your camera a little bit lower (laughs) for me Oh. I want to bring something up here real quick. So you talk about Spencer being in and around the butcher shop, knowing um, kind of, you know, that next move with his camera because he's been around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also like to add that when Spencer captures his content and he goes back through and edits, he's able to rebuild that content um, almost in reverse mm-hmm. yeah. because you,
0: you... He knows what he's filming. He's you know, mm-hmm. right. Right. So so thinking we,
1: of his edits while he's filming. Right. So if we do, uh, like, if we cut a half a beef, and we go from the front quarter to the hind quarter... You don't mix miss you know mix match parts of the video mm-hmm. um, you you just build it back the way it should be because you you know exactly where all the cuts come from yeah so yeah
2: um, editing footage that you shot is so much easier than editing footage mm-hmm. you didn't shoot Oh yeah like when uh, we had the New Mexico hunt sure. I wasn't mm-hmm. there to shoot that um, yep. meet your maker at their own guy shooting that. And they did an awesome job. It was beautiful footage, but it's so hard to go in as an editor not knowing Just what you open have there. The boxes, and, then, and then build, yeah. build the story out of yeah. something you don't mm-hmm. know. You, you have to look through yeah. it all to be, like get it in your head. Because when you're when you're shooting stuff yourself, and you're going through the edit, you can be like, "Oh, I remember I shot this. This would be the perfect spot to put that." But you don't have that when you're sh- using somebody else's footage. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we shoot now in four K. Correct. Yep um talk a little bit about you running two cameras right now yeah so uh the first camera we used was the panasonic lumix g7 great camera i still have it i haven't used it in a while but i would like to get back into shooting some stuff with it just for fun then we moved to what i would say was a pretty big upgrade in the canon eos rp that was still shooting 1080p but um a little bit better colors in my opinion and Better lens, better lens was huge. It was still an STM lens, which is like the Canon's lower tier of lenses, but mm-hmm. still better than the kit lens and came with the, the G7. Sure. And after the RP, we went to the EOS R5, which was absolutely astronomical in terms of quality. Started shooting 4K, which um, YouTube's 1080p, uh, like algorithm or I don't know what you call it. I forget what you call it. It is not good in my opinion Like you can have 1080p stuff out of camera. But that looks amazing as but soon once as it you, goes in there mm, As soon as you upload it to YouTube, it looks so bad um, Didn't know th- that yeah, but they're 4k they're 1440p and they're 4k k um, yeah, I forget what you'd call it, but it looks so much better then. well I, I have no I, idea what you just said in the last I, minute 30. <laughs> well, but. Uh, let me say this too um, before we started shooting 4k uh, I shot 1080p and then upscaled it to 4K so that we could get the
1: better quality on YouTube. Very so smart. If, if you're looking for a trick, that's, that's huge if you that's can't awesome. shoot 4K. That's why we have Spencer on here. So if you're listening, you can uh, get an education through um, this whole experience of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And part of that education I want to bring up is, and since this is, you know, we're, we're teaching the audience what it's like to build a niche brand and build an audience and, Obviously, that takes Spencer. It takes the cameras. It takes computers, the editing software, the mics, all that stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cost. If you yeah. if you had to put in a, a, just a, in a rough estimate on on all the equipment that you have um, and everything that you've purchased over the years to get to where you're at, what's a round number that you think, including this podcast? Mm-hmm. How much? Um, what type of investment do you think our our listeners can expect? to have in that type of gear and setup? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have
2: personally spent probably 30 or 40,000 in equipment. Cameras, lenses, mics, it might be more than that. Maybe closer to 50 or 60. Um, By no means do you have to spend that to get a professional level. Mm -hmm. You could easily spend, I would say, in today's day and age, four or five grand to get like a very high level of production. The the cameras that are out nowadays for the price are really good, and um, yeah, I would say around forty or fifty thousand total that we've invested in. Very interesting that's and that's incredible. And that's tough because you have to justify
0: that by having uh, a need. To spend that kind of equipment, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know you could go out and spend that, but if you don't, if you don't have an audience, so like, where do you make those trade-offs? I think you made smart choices along the way. Yeah. What about so we talked a lot about the hardware, but what about the software?
1: Editing Here's software, audio software. Before you go on to the next subject, you mentioned you know so if somebody was going to start filming and editing their own content, just real quick, you mentioned you know five six grand or whatever on cameras. Can you just throw it out real quick? If if somebody was to buy one camera, a mic. And, you know, whatever else you recommend, what would, what would they, what should they start with for mm-hmm. that price? Really
2: depends on your budget, but, cause I have people ask me all the time and it's so hard for, cause there's different cameras for different scenarios mm-hmm. and it's, it's crazy how big of a difference you can get from camera to camera for your
1: scenario. Let's just say uh, if somebody has a $10,000 budget to get started okay. building a YouTube channel and a social media platform. Okay. That's um, something that they can they can grow on from there. Mm-hmm. Well, ten thousand is an awesome
2: starting point. Um, if I was going to start doing YouTube, like let's let's say let's say this let's say we're going to start YouTube again right now. Mm-hmm. We've never done it, never done it before, but we have ten grand to spend on equipment, and we're going to see if it takes off. I think I would first buy a mirrorless camera. Um, so there's two types. There's DSLRs, which have a little mirror in them that flips up, mm-hmm. and mirrorless don't have that little mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into like the the really technical stuff, but I would get a mirrorless camera. Either mm-hmm. the <laughs> I would say get maybe a USR6. Um, depends what brand you like too, because Sony has basically the same sure. stuff. So if you like Sony, you know, go with Sony. I like Canon. I would personally get a Canon R6 or R5. The R6 is like twenty six hundred bucks for the body. R5 is like thirty eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say go with the R6. Get yourself a good lens. You could probably spend twelve hundred to twenty five hundred on the lens. Then you're at what five grand? Let's say five grand if you got the really good lens. You still have five grand mm-hmm. to spend mm-hmm. on audio stuff. So you could get lav mics. The DR10Ls are two hundred bucks a piece. So that's fifty four hundred bucks. Um, Get yourself a light. The light that we're using right now for this podcast is like two hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and it's got maybe a 50 hundred dollar like uh, lamp on it, mm-hmm. sitting on a stand. A hundred bucks. So let's say three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks for your light. That puts us at five thousand eight hundred. And honestly, once you get cards and batteries and stuff like that, you could probably be up to 6,500. Yeah. I what, would say that's really all you need to get what started. What about you, software? Yeah, what about your editing software? software? So I use DaVinci Resolve, and DaVinci Resolve is actually free. You can download it for free. Nice. Um, but if you're shooting in – so they have the free version, which I used for years mm-hmm. before I had to buy the paid version. The only reason I had to buy the paid version was because I started shooting – 10 bit color okay so I'm gonna get a little bit technical here so you can shoot 8 bit or 10 bit color Mm -hmm. 8 bit is it gathers in less light or color information uh 10 bit obviously a little bit more Mm -hmm. and you can shoot a really flat profile so it gathers all the colors in it doesn't delete any of them it doesn't apply its own color grade to it so when you go into your editing software you have all that information to work with colors so I can go in and change you know from a really blue hue to a yellow hue. It's like having, instead of a 24 box of crayons, you have a hundred and twenty four boxes. Exactly. Of exactly. Okay. So the paid version of DaVinci Resolve is required if you're shooting 10 bit color, but you can download DaVinci for free and absolutely make awesome videos nice so
0: get all that stuff and get yourself a really great nephew and you're going (laughs) to have everything what about the podcast because that's a that's a little bit of another step up right Mm -hmm. the equipment that we needed we needed some mixing equipment you had experience from church doing that which Mm -hmm. really helped us shorten the curve because Mm -hmm. our very first broadcast we elevated quickly can you talk a little bit about that would that round out your ten thousand dollars
2: yeah i would say so um well and it really depends if you want to do it live Or not live we'll do it live it's really (laughs) it's crazy how much harder it is to do stuff live oh sure rather than pre-recorded because if we were doing this pre-recorded you could record everything separately your camera could record to an SD card Mm -hmm. all your mics could record to an SD card you go into your editor you sync it all up whereas if you're going live you have to mix all that stuff live so what we have right now we have three road pod mics, Mm -hmm. all running into a Rodecaster Pro 2, which has been game changing. Sure. Um, It's basically a little mixing board. It Mm -hmm. has six uh, faders, it has four XLR inputs. You can output it via USB to a laptop. It has two USBs actually, which is really nice. So I have the one USB running out to my streaming laptop that's taking care of all the OBS streaming and stuff like that. And then I have another USB running to our laptop on set that um, we use for Zoom, mm-hmm. so we can have guests call in. So that would transfer all the audio back and forth. So you can do audio from the Roadcaster to laptop or laptop uh, audio to the Roadcaster at the same time. Are, um, they, are these guys paying you enough? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, a, a lot of this research. Is, this, and, is, this is deep, and you got to have spent. You've got to spend so much time just research. Yeah. That's what I did, you know, to start out just YouTube. Sure. You know, Peter McKinnon is a huge part
1: of how I know so much. Um, There's all kinds of Peter McKinnons, yeah. So I want to. I I said not to interrupt you. I don't want to do this, but if you're listening and you have a notepad, get yourself a pen and a notepad. Start taking notes because what Spencer's saying. (laughs) There's so much information in here. Take notes, right? And I wanted to point out that I think what we see with creators
0: is that the creator themselves has some of that knowledge that you share and and they can do that their own Mm -hmm. on their own um i think the other thing is you have if you're you know presumably a a a good personality you need to hire somebody yeah i think for us it was divine intervention you know that that you were actually part of the family and already working with us because that was one of the bigger things that i think elevated our channel was the fact that we had you and I think those are really and they never to be overlooked pieces of, Boy, of any growing platform. I is think- that you're going to have to, you're going to have to reach those that level of expertise and marry it with the opportunity married with the personalities mm-hmm. so that you have the growth, exp- that, that expert exponent of growth can happen. When you, when you marry those things together. Definitely.
1: Two big components of why our channel grew and grew quick, quickly, one being Spencer 100%, and number two being Phil on the back end with the SEO work that he did, which is why we brought, or we're bringing Phil on after Spencer, and we brought both in here today for this podcast because this is an essential part of building that large platform.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about divine intervention, and I have thought the same thing for so long um because when i got in to film mm-hmm. so all my friends were a grade above me and sure i'm homeschooled they right. were they went to public school well they were all getting ready to go off to college yes and i was like uh they all had their plans and mm-hmm. like oh i'm gonna do this with my life and get a career in this mm-hmm. and i was like well i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm just I'm a butcher. Meat. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like do i want to cut meat my whole life sure and now i'm like yeah, I, I do enjoy doing that still. Well, but, you, Yes. So I was like, well, I like film. I'm going to mm-hmm. start teaching myself that. And as I was doing that, the YouTube channel starts taking off. Yes. And you guys are like, we're going to bring you on to do some videos. And that obviously worked out really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been a huge blessing. And
0: before you go, good. and What, it's it's th- what are your friends?
2: What do your friends think of you now? <laughs> <laughs> they are very impressed yeah. <laughs> that, that they should be.
0: And so we are, we yeah. want to, and, and, and I think that the other piece of this is the beyond. So we've had, um, obviously very good content up to this point for a platform, the podcast, and then beyond, you know, we have the intent of kind of upgrading our studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, Upgraded equipment will come along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the beyond is that we have more of a, a, a media central um, place. We plan, God willing, to plan to put a put a big studio in our new headquarters. You'll be able to have all of your equipment in one place. Mm-hmm. You won't have to, you'll, you know, you'll have track lighting, everything that we need. So that's kind of the beyond for the brand. But that gives you some insight on how we uh, had that, that, you um, that footfall at the right time with Spencer joining the brand, and he was kind of, uh, if you will, the the first turbo boost um, that got us up to a new level of speed. So thank you, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Next, I would, I would also
1: I would also like to add that Spencer is the same one. So a cameraman, I think, as a content creator, like if you're being filmed, a cameraman or a woman can like absolutely make it or break oh, it for yeah. you. Because like you can get mad at them, you can get like they get in the way. (laughs) and I'm sure it's the same way for you with who you're filming. Yeah, like you Mm -hmm. have to work together. It has Mm -hmm. to be like a perfect or working with
2: another cameraman. Oh yeah. Because now we have like my cousin Liz shooting Mm -hmm. vertical Mm -hmm. stuff. So you know I have to work together with her to make sure we're both getting our angles and stuff like
1: that. It's like right foot, left foot. Mm -hmm. I mean the two have to work together. But I will say with Spencer. Um, not only is he a great cameraman, but he also is a very willing cameraman because he hopped on a plane and went to Montana with us. And within the first six hours was throwing up from, uh, Oh, uh, elevation. I, yeah. It was like, a, I think it was so, elevation,
2: sickness, exhaustion, not yeah. eating enough, <laughs> carrying all the so, batteries.
1: So he's, he's very, uh, not only is he good at what he does, but he also, he's, he's, he's very, um, supportive of our, our dreams and our plans. And we talk about the beyond and, uh, just great to have him on board hmm the best is yet to come
0: there you go so uh, Spencer being a big part of the visual audio that you see now we want to bring in Phil which is going to be a big part of what you don't see behind the scenes so we'll bring Phil in thanks Spencer for joining us on the first half of this podcast we'll get Spencer or excuse me Phil in on the second I, half of the podcast and mm-hmm. I will
1: I will try to do a better job at feeding you a piece of meat or two during the video so you don't have to stand there and watch <laughs> us eat all the time you did, without, you did good with the, uh, the Wagyu yeah, video. You I, I got two bites I try to remember yeah <laughs> All right, great Phil. job, Spencer. Go Thank ahead you. and jump
0: on in here. Welcome to the podcast, Phil Maletic.
1: Thank you. Um, Thanks, Phil.
0: We're bringing the instrumental people that have helped grow this brand um, past what we would consider like being your initial, had some success with a uh, cell phone and uploading some videos and then graduated into um, better visual audio and we we talked about personality opportunity expertise marrying those things up together um happy anniversary by the way thank you and the reason i say that was we were preparing for the podcast and i was like thinking back when phil first joined the bearded butcher brand it was through his marketing firm um north start uh, marketing and it was an email that we received and I knew about the email so last time we were talking about the podcast or being on today I looked up on, on my previous emails so like I, I wonder if I still have that email and it was Phil reaching out to us to introduce himself and it was ironic because it was three years to the day 9 8 19 that he had since he had sent that email that was yesterday that was yesterday, um, and 18, I'll just right. It wasn't right before COVID. It was nineteen, was it? It was yeah. nineteen. Okay, three years. It was right before COVID then.
1: Uh, not to say that word on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. Delete. Edit uh, that out, Spencer. Hi guys,
0: my name is Phil. I live in Sterling. I run a small digital marketing agency. I'll make this quick. I know which, you guys are out for here the hustling. listeners.
1: For the listeners, Sterling is like the next town over. And he he, goes, he, went, and he went to Smithville, which is a big competition for <laughs> Norway, and so we're really like competition. We won't but. Hold that against him. <laughs>
0: we. Um, he goes on to say, I know you're busy and you probably get a lot of these, but um, I believe there's huge untapped potential in the market in which you guys should be capitalizing. And he put some some um, screenshots or some snap some snips in the email and the the I could give my take on the general um, what he was seeing, but I'd rather hear it from him, much like Spencer with the cameras or whatever. What were you seeing initially, Phil, that drew you to, um, I guess, for the lack of a better way say, solicit us and point out to us that we
3: were leaving a lot of, I, I guess, money on the table, so to speak? Well, it, it's crazy to think that wasn't that long ago, but YouTube was a lot different then. And you guys had very little um, description in your videos. So your videos were fantastic, like you talked about Spencer, you'd just kind of started to increase the quality of them. And then I happened to notice you at Rural King. um, I don't know if that's a nationwide brand. It's not really, it's kind of your farm and fleet, TSC kind of store. Mm -hmm. They were in the checkout line locally in Worcester.
0: our products were. Your products were, yeah. Mm I
3: was like, wow, that's really cool. It's a really cool brand. It's catchy. Um, You know, everything just fits. Like, wow, that's a cool brand. So I went home, looked you up and it was like, wow, you guys have great videos. Obviously videos with lots Mm -hmm. of views already. And then there was zilch in the descriptions, and the titles were just like, you know, just gonna, how to just gonna, cut yeah. a deer. Right, yeah. <laughs> so there's no branding on them, really, even though you had a strong brand. I don't even know if we were really filling out the description. No, so we were. literally zilch or Did, nothing. Didn't know how. Yeah. Like it's just
1: take the video on your cell phone, upload it to YouTube, and call it How to Cut a Deer.
3: But th- that's that kind of like, that lesson, though, you know, to everybody. It's like for me, it's like, oh, you got to have the description, but you also have to good content. You guys are like, got to have good content. Who cares what it says? But, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube at the time, that's why I say it was a lot different. It really relied heavily upon what you said the video was about. Mm hmm. And then not only that, but you guys had a store, and you had no link to your store. So a lot of people would watch it and be like, well, thanks for teaching me how to skin a deer, and then they leave. Yeah. Never see you again. So that, I think, was the the biggest thing. That was that true untapped potential, just like, hey, make the link. So we got the email from Phil,
0: and, um, you know, because it was local or whatever, and, and he was right, we were getting a lot of this different stuff, kind of the the snake oil salesman type stuff. And, and that's something that will happen as your platform grows is you'll, you'll have, and I think you'll have, you'll have people reach out to you. And I think we had our email in our YouTube channel mm-hmm. or a Gmail or whatever. Um, and so, you know, it's easy enough for, for, for companies to, to reach out. And he even said in his email, you know, I'm sure you get companies from you know around the, the different countries, whatever. So he sent the email, and i remember i recall at the time we were doing our big um, remodel at white feather and it was September. it was september we were almost done but our office had been relocated and it was in our break room and he i i was like can you elaborate or my response or whatever is you give us some examples other clients you might work with whatever and that's when he sent a like something like 20 minute screen share video that he uploaded he so he's so he he did he went through clicking all the different stuff showing us um, essentially what we were missing while he voiced over the screen share and then he just uploaded that as a video to YouTube and made it private and sent us the link and I recall watching that video and being I remember
1: like, sitting in the break room and I think it was after a Uh, slaughter day it was and we're sitting on the bench and and scott was like hey i got got something you need to i got somebody you need to see (laughs) so we're sitting you know just at break time sitting there on the bench watching your video on on his cell phone
0: yeah and this kind of goes to even with spencer you know spencer was just literally right there in phil's case we didn't know who he was and he um, engaged us and then he through that video was able to tell us what value he could potentially add now I think with marketing, that's the big thing. 100%. It's is yeah. how how you know you're you're gonna get um, you're gonna get in the weeds pretty quick when you try to figure out who you can hire for marketing. And like the big thing is is like, well, we can do this, this, and this, but there's real no guarantee on the return on ad dollar spent or the return on investment, the ROI or the ROAS. It's just like what we know to do and if it doesn't work the market didn't receive it etc 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 in phil's case he had um you know sort of untapped potential because we literally had nothing and that was important for us to hear that because we didn't know these things much like we didn't know all the different stuff about the filming and the audio we didn't know anything about keywords search engine optimization, backlinking. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you found missing initially and once hired what
3: you did immediately that changed the course. <laughs> well, I think the easy thing to remember, <clears throat> there's two things I, that really stick out in my head from back then. One of them was that you said one of your biggest decisions was whether or not you actually wanted to grow and go through all the pains we've gone through in the last three years. Mm-hmm. I hate to bring that up because it's been painful sometimes. There's sure. been a lot of growing pains. Then the other thing was obviously the beef video. That was like one of the most <laughs> hilarious conversations I've ever had. How to butcher a cow. Yeah. So Tell us about that. The story there is they had a uh, video, and I was like, well, based on the keyword volumes I can see, the this is probably going to be the way to go, just how to butcher a whole cow. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's a beef. And I was like, well, I don't know that. Neither does anybody else. Cal has like udders and stuff, Phil. <laughs> so this was literally the first
0: month. We did that video in October of 2019. And it was uploaded, you know, with Phil being the new access, if you will, to all of our back engine stuff. Because that's the other thing, like, you know... Allowing access to your platform. Well, we referred I feel to feel like you're handing your child well, we over. We referred to, somebody. to it as handing you our baby
1: because yeah, you know we had spent we had spent, if we had spent um, what three years on it up till we hired you.
3: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, just about Two and a half, think. three years. I mean, yeah, and, but it's and,
3: like handing your butcher knife to somebody. Yeah, you know? right. It takes a lot of trust and so, so here, I, here we go. The,
0: the, the, it would have been the first video that went up with Phil, you know, doing you know, I guess his magic. We. Phil, I got to bring in the PhD stuff. So (laughs) we call him Dr. Phil or we call him Dr. Strange um, because he works his magic on our, you know, our analytics and and whatnot. But um, that's because Phil is a, is a PhD. Um, So he is literally Dr. Phil, but Dr. Phil got involved in, I'm trying, I want to see here in the video, it was 2019, October 2019. To the left. Um, still our top view video of all time, twelve million views. It's only almost, one over ten, right? Almost thirteen million. What's that? I think
3: it's the only one over ten, even still. Yeah.
0: So this video went up into our, you know, it was uploaded, and Phil was going to do all of the the keystroke, I, th- I think I wrote whatever. Like a
3: four or five thousand word description. Yeah,
0: just went nuts with it. Um, and like shortly after it went up, Seth. Signs into YouTube Creator Studio on his phone or whatever. And he's like, I'm changing this to a, 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 how to butcher a beef. Because what the heck is this new guy beef doing? you and you milk cows. <laughs> that's just like the verbiage that we grew up with. Like a cow is, produces milk and a beef produces meat. Now we know they both can do the same thing. But like that was just in his head. And Phil's like, I don't know if that's like, that's what you want to do. No, Seth insisted on switching it to cow, and, and and it and then it plummeted. Like you can look at Google's backend in, in analytics, and it just it re- literally fell off a
3: cliff. That was hilarious, mm-hmm. and it
1: proved Phil. Yeah, that video would probably immediately get like twenty million views. Have had done that. I'm
3: curious. I don't want. I don't want to know. Wanna know it, honestly, so well, the the video, I can't believe how well it recovered. But the mm-hmm. video
0: still says how to butcher a cow after Phil switched it back, but that was an example of Phil coming to us and saying. You know, we have the 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 keywords and I hadn't heard about this stuff and I had done a little bit of research on my own. I thought it was just like something you have to like you have to buy from Google to try to get to be first page. Um, And what Phil really taught us or what he literally did inside the brand was teach us that that you can sort of begin to massage the data by putting in the right keywords and looking for, you know, what the audience is is perhaps searching and then building that into your website too.
3: um, It's really interesting because content. content. Google says that that's not allowed. You're not supposed to try to game their algorithm. But if you don't, you fail. So yes, it's it's very strange.
0: And again, kind of divine intervention. Um, we learned that the Google sort of YouTube was sitting there waiting for butchering content in a sense where we quickly became the leading authority on all things butchering because people would search for something. And because of the work that Phil had put in, we became a leading authority on butchering related topics. So if somebody was like, how do I butcher a cow? Google was like, I'm going to show them the beard of butchers because this is indexed the right, correct way. And, you know, it, it was just very much more organized. So our channel took another big, if you will hit the boost turbo boost. um, At the time that Phil joined us and every video that we had or went up from that point on,
1: Got Phil's magic brush strokes on it. Something um, I would like to to bring in here, just like I mentioned with Spencer. Um, I think the audience that's listening is going to want to know what did that cost at the time. Um, because for us, it was a big investment. You know, we're a, we're a new brand, um, not a lot of money to to invest in it as we grew because we didn't have any outside investors or anything like that. So tell us a little bit about like what the audience can expect to spend with someone similar to you to go back in and, and tweak the data and do the back end, uh, whether
3: it's per month or yearly or whatever. I'd say generally across the industry, if you can call it that, because you know, I think Scott kind of alluded to it. There's a lot of snake oil and there's a lot of kind of, um, which isn't a terrible thing in a sense. There's a lot of structured approaches on how you do things and you always do it the same. It makes it easier to have a team and a staff doing things, but it's not always the best for the brand. And I think that's why you guys were unique because you're so unique and Mm -hmm. your content was so good and you had done nothing and it was just like, just waiting to explode. But as far as your question, Seth, um, you probably generally would expect to spend based on, you know, single person, how much time they're spending all the way up to those crazy big agencies between like $50 and $150 an hour. It would be right in that ballpark.
0: Yeah. So you could easily put $5,000. Minimum a month into projects like this, so and to Phil's benefit and even with Spencer, the the very early on it was I'm going to bring value. Let me show you how I bring value, and they offered services like in Spencer's case, um, you know he was already employed by the by the meat business, so it was literally we bought some of the equipment and and um, and his time on the media side was uh, lower barrier for us because we didn't have to like just hire a cameraman for $80 an hour or whatever the going rate is. On Phil's case, he said, I'll give you a, you know, first month half off. And if somebody else you refer to, I'll give you a month free. And he did a lot of that stuff early on. Um, so he offered value at a essentially discounted rate and we quickly saw what he did to the brand. so to answer the question, what we keep talking about, the elevation or the turbo boost button. And what did that actually do for the brand? So we talk about a product that we had to sell direct to consumer. And we had a product in the media, which was the the YouTube videos. And what we saw from 2018, when we were doing everything by ourselves, was uh, a, a little... A little boutique business, if you will, little niche business brand, something fun to do. You certainly would never be able to quit your day job. It was just something fun to do. What we saw in 2019 was a 10x over 2018. So both Spencer and Phil joined the brand in 2019, and I say that with Spencer, he'd already been in the butcher business, but his his material began to land on the site in February of 2019. Phil's influence came in um, September, October of 2019. And we saw a 10x in revenue, both through the DTC and the media channels in 2019. What's remarkable about that was we again 10xed in 2020. We hit that growth trajectory and it then became not a question of, is this is working? if this is working, or even to Phil's, you know, comment about do we want to grow? And that's a bit of a flaw that I might have, where I let personal um, constraints, cloud vision, or growth, because a lot of it for me was like, you know, I have to do it. Like, that was a feeling I had, like, I have to personally be responsible for so much of what is happening for the logistics of carrying something out. And Having, you know, pulled some of that um, responsibility off of mine and it's on Phil or, or even Spencer. Um, and to be clear, Seth was doing, you know, a lot of the content. I'm in content creation, but he's kind of the star of the show. And then he would he would upload and do a lot of the media and stuff like that. But I was doing the administrative to business stuff. We saw that growth hit, um, you know, a, a 10x over uh, 2019 over 2018 and again a 10x. 2020 over 2019 so we knew what we had was working now phil was working as a private contractor yeah so he did not work um essentially for the brand or excuse me in in, he was not in-house and we went through some phenomenal growth just as a um sort of loose banded uh, two businesses running. He's got his North Start Marketing. He's working full-time as a um, pharmacist. And we're doing our thing. And the the, the I guess the uh, sales were such that we took a closer focus then on what the future would be like as that direct-to-consumer in the media grew because we were butchers with our pillar one being our mainstay, our job, and then pillar two being the direct consumer and pillar three being the media. But it's like, as the calf grew, the pen got smaller. So it was then that we have to start looking at, you know, what's our sales funnel? Um, YouTube was just the golden goose. It was incredible. And we had the, the model, which was deliver content and then have something to sell and it was a priced item that was not um not not hard to buy no not selling no competition in a sense yeah no competition we we, you know is i watch these guys i like these guys they're authentic i trust them let's buy something from them and so we had the the spice which made sense and it checked a lot of boxes so then it became you know the search for or it still is the search for relevancy yeah, and not necessarily about what products can we add to the funnel, but how, how are we getting people into the funnel? Um, how, what What's, what's changing about the funnels we've seen, and we experienced change. Um, and this is a lot of what Phil does with the brand. And in our next week's episode, we're going to get into more of the fulfillment and the actual um, tangibles of the logistics inside the brand, when we are delivering a product to a customer, what that takes. And that's also an area that Phil um, is, is head over, because what happened was Phil as a um, private contractor and then bringing Phil in house and having him be COO, which is really the media and the direct to consumer portion of the business. And what Phil's done on that side is just as important as what he's done on the, you know, the early days, the 2019, the 2020, um, because what we're learning is there's Phil had mentioned, you know, Google says, don't really try to massage or manipulate our algorithm, but it's really what you
3: have to do. It's what creators do with um, different. Yeah, it's silly. I mean, you, you spend a lot of time on like Spencer thumbnails titles, and, and even that, like with the, the cow beef video, mm-hmm. you know, for all the time, if you go back and you look at that description, I mean, it's like a manuscript that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that actually mattered in the end was one one word, word one three-letter <laughs> word, beef yeah. versus cow. Yeah. well And
0: those are the things that we're learning, and Phil does a lot of under the hood. So even vertical versus horizontal on your phone. Spencer mentioned he added his cousin in to shoot a separate camera that's shooting vertically.
1: Well, I think that that's where um, we talk about all the different platforms that we're on on social media, um, which Phil's been instrumental in, in all the platforms. But we talk about YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and they all require uh, things to be shot differently in different angles. Um, so, yeah, that's it's it's definitely a, a big piece well, of Well, and the thing about those platforms is they all give
0: you they all spew out data Mm -hmm. and you have to have somebody that can, that can analyze and decipher the data that they're spewing out because what you'll do. And, and we learned with YouTube, it was almost like, you know, I don't want to call it low hanging fruit, but it was just like literally being loose in, in an, you know, in the
3: gold mine. Yeah. And I always tell people that it's YouTube is still at its core. A search engine. Yes. Unfortunately, because of TikTok, and they've gotten away from that, I wish they'd get back to it, but it's kind of becoming dumb entertainment now, and that doesn't convert, and I think that's still one of the biggest problems that we've run into. We did, and so how-tos have
0: been very good for us. Informational, how-to, how to butcher, um comparisons, yeah. what's this like versus that like, and the entertainment pieces have not done as well. Mm-mm. Um I think... It, it would be important to, and, and I would be remiss not to mention Brock Lesnar as a portion of our YouTube. When Brock came to visit for the first time, it was about learning the butchering process because he literally wanted to improve his butchering skills. And we did that and we shot video for it. And then, you know, sort of asked him, like, is this okay? Like we put it on YouTube and he said, yeah. And it, the views just went to the moon. Like, but what we learned was that entertainment piece wasn't exactly as much of a
3: converter to product sales. Right. It was... Yeah, it that's was, what you preach, traffic, traffic, traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, get people into the funnel, but, you know, it's almost like there was a hole in the top of the funnel. You know, they'd come in and come right back out. Correct.
0: So I think as a, as a channel or as a brand, you know, you think about what you're delivering, and, you know, there certainly are brands that deliver entertainment only um, and, and do really well at it. But for us, as a as a brand, or even YouTube as a core, as you know, being a search engine, the how-tos continue to live on. The relevancy of those, the the cyclic nature of them, with regard to hunting season. Well, we just talked about one that
1: spiked what, like three or four hundred thousand views in the last week. Yeah. So it's like that, out of the blue, and that was shot, what, a year and a half ago? Year, year and a half ago? Last year?
3: Well, all four, all four of our meat affiliates are in there, so it would have been. Right around a year, I think we
0: do lose a little bit of a track of uh, a sense of time with these things. Like it seems like it was a long time ago, but it really wasn't. But you you will find that there's there there is a little bit of, um, you know, try this, try that. And and this gets to be with marketing itself, where everybody's kind of looking for the next. Um, relevant way to market and like you have marketing agencies phil's mentioned teams um those perhaps for a big brand they spend a lot of money x number on this um those those may or may not work but for our brand it's been more about the um the authenticity the organic growth but i think even there what we're what we're learning lately is the challenges that, that, that have come are, you know, do you have an entertainment piece to your brand? Well, we found that doesn't really elevate sales. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think,
1: I think what we found was when we stray too far from what got us to where mm -hmm. we're at is when we circle back to being more natural,
0: organic. Correct. And that's where, you know, if we didn't have, Somebody like Phil that's under the hood that can analyze the data.
1: He's the guy right in the passenger seat that reaches over and grabs the steering wheel and jerks it back yeah. on the road. Um, it's like, and, hey, guys, bring it back in. Ain't too far it sometimes. It helps <laughs> us
0: to stay focused that and avoid happens. avoid pitfalls because we want to, I mean, we want to r- remain relevant. We want to continue reaching new audiences. We want to nurture our current audience. In the sense that, you know, the content that we produce, whether it's a tangible like the spice or the products surrounded by the spice or the the intangibles which are you know our media, that we continue to deliver a quality product, but we we want it to reach as many people as possible. I right. mean that's kind of the the, the the entrepreneurial
3: drive that you might get. Um, well that's been one of the, the most incredible things I've seen is not even just with you guys, with other brands too. You can spend a boatload of money, especially now on Facebook, as they fight with Apple and the privacy and all that stuff and even just running the cheapest possible ads on YouTube just to get in front of eyeballs. You can spend so much money and it seems like you go in and you look and it's like, Wow, we got a hundred thousand impressions and it's like but we have like fifty videos over a million views that we didn't spend anything for.
0: It's exactly right, and I think what you have to do is and you know it really just boils down to what's 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 your personal story, what's your history? You have to tell a story as a brand
3: now and you gotta have a shippable product. You have to have a shippable product
0: and you have to have a way to get it into the customer's hands. That was you know, the, the I,
3: meat fight that everybody keeps
1: fighting about. I would yeah. like to bring that into this podcast a little bit. We talk about, you know, all the responsibilities that Phil has and has had that's that's gotten us to where we are today, but Um, I'd like to bring it in, the fulfillment in the warehouse and all, because you've you've overseen all of that, too. So if our listeners don't know, um, we do, in fact, ship all of our own products in With private label. With with private label. um, In our own warehouse. So Phil could go into a little bit of detail on building the warehouse, putting all the right um, people in place to do that. And then um, next week's show, we'll actually... um, bring somebody in the manager from the warehouse and talk a little bit more in depth but
3: yeah because that has a big part of the customer experience right mm-hmm. well that i think that's one of the most in- impressive things about that so big shout out to chad um brought him in and he's the kind of person that you just stick over that and you trust what he does it you cannot say enough about that um but he came in, we literally leased a barn, not a barn, well, pretty much a pretty barn. Pretty close to yeah. a barn. A big pole barn in Worcester with no heat and no air. I mean, to think about how Phil, miserable they must have been. Did, why did we need to do that? So we, goodness, so we, we went from a fulfillment company locally, you know, kind of that, oh, they're local, they're going to be good. They had solicited us. It went pretty good for a while. It was very expensive because they took a, a gross percentage of mm-hmm. everything that sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did good for a while, but then whenever we hit that second 10X phase around the holidays of 2021 or 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. And they, Scott and Seth were literally in Montana with Spencer that they had just talked about. Going off the grid, I think the last thing Scott saw on the top of a mountain was a 1,000 orders sitting in the queue, and a lot of them had been in there for multiple days. Yep, if not a week plus. And Almost no customer service on the back end. Mm-hmm. People just started calling the store. Like, well,
0: and they were getting literally an empty box. So not when I when I say an empty box, not an empty box that was just you open a cardboard box and the inside was full of air, but inside the cardboard box was an empty display box that was supposed to hold six of our spices. You could literally look it up and l- use it as binoculars. Um, so customers were receiving... Because it's amazing a, how mad they, that that would make them. Because too. of a software glitch at this third-party fulfillment, they were receiving just the cardboard display box assembled, and inside a another box that contained no product. It was it was almost like they were being punked. Yeah.
3: And, to, and then I guess to their they credit, were getting, they, they said, you know, they do what the software yeah. says. So and which there was, that there is was, the,
0: like you said, almost no customer service. So
3: that is the, the the straw that
1: broke the camel's back, though, and that's why you took on the responsibility of just creating our own. And that that's that's a, I mean, we could call that a pitfall in the sense where
0: we were putting all the, Seth and I, literally along with a couple of the employees, were putting all the packaged orders together before we cut
3: meat. That's true. The Black Friday before that the previous year Scott and Seth were in here at four and yeah. five in the morning, we every just kept single getting morning. to work earlier than it was Scott Seth Sean mm-hmm. Spencer yep. Laura everybody bringing was in, in here, I mean we just
0: about had the children standing on boxes putting everything together and
1: well we, as the brand grew you know it started out with two orders in the morning and then it's 20 and then it's
3: why well, what was Black, it up to 60 probably, probably when we started with that company yeah
1: yeah well, I, mean, I think to the Black Friday we like
0: Black Friday, there might have been like close to two hundred running out of paper and mm-hmm. ink in the printer just to get them printed. And then we're driving like, hey, around we all have the different labels. We're driving
1: all around to the different uh, sending uh, postal, our, sending
0: our mother to pick up all the padded envelopes yep. at, at every and just know, clearing USPS. them out of all. <laughs> and and so we always said too with our brand, like you know, we're on YouTube, we're telling people how wonderful our product is, but then if we don't deliver the product in in um. Them we're just kind of
3: fools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: that was a big step for us, was what Phil overtook. And then he mentioned Chad, which which I second that. Um, because the manager role of the warehouse is more than just can I get the packages out the door, which I think is kind of like the most important because everybody wants like Amazon uh like fulfillment. Like I clicked the button, I bought it, I want to see it on my doorstep in two days.
3: And Not outside that, of surges, they do such a great job. If there's orders in there, they're all out by the end of the day. It's they, they do.
0: They do a great job at that. But what else? The, the other things that Chad does um, that he'll do really well is people are notoriously incomplete with their shipping addresses and, and the information glitches. that you need. Software glitches. You know what choices did we make with that. And then the other one is is just random people calling to talk to him.
3: Oh, that's incredible! Like,
0: like they they see it, find a number on the internet related to the bearded butchers, and they just
1: they so just do these call. guys believe in yeah. yada yada yada? So yeah, definitely
0: a, <laughs> lot, of words. a yeah, lot of different a lot of different things there. But we've been through. Um, I should know, finish that story too a little yeah. bit. Oh Let's hear yeah, it. sorry. So
3: we, so we did. We we got to Literally put them in a barn, mm-hmm. like right. it was February-ish because I signed the lease literally I had to leave my family's Christmas and go sign the lease for the building and go back in the middle of a snowstorm that's why he's part of the brand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
0: it, it was and it had to do with the fact that we were like, we're letting these customers down. We need to take action now. It was the worst possible time for us to make that kind of pivot. But we was, felt
1: like the only way we could control it is just to do it ourselves. But at
3: the same time, being the worst time, it was the best time. It yep, had right. to be done. Yep. It was like Scott likes to say. I don't know if you've ever really said it publicly, but sometimes you just got to take something out back and shoot it. Yep. That's, mm-hmm. that, was that, was that was literally was. one of those
0: But those even since then
3: now, we've gone through... Two different software vendors, mm-hmm. and we're on our third now, and we're finally happy. Yeah, but then our fulfillment piece. So we were on Shopify. We had to go to Big Commerce for one specific reason. I don't want to get off in the weeds on that. So we switched, and now here we are back, ready to go back to Shopify. It's just one thing after another.
0: It really is, and these are some of the pains that you know we talk about, and it's never, it's never bad, like in the sense where like. I think as companies grow, though, you do get like the the stakes get higher and higher in the sense of like mistakes cost you more and more. You know, the software that we're getting involved in now costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We're well beyond that. You know, I started this in my garage um, because we saw the 10x, um, the two, the, the, the back to back years with 10x. And then you start to hit that plateau. So we look at like a 4x in 2021. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're kind of tracking for like a two x. So as that plow begins to sink into the ground, you have that um, set of challenges that 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 changes, and just being, you know, a self funded company, in the sense of, you know, the capital that's needed. It's incredible. It, it really is because you would never, you know, you would never, if somebody would have told me the set of numbers that is required to pl- pay to play it now that we're, that we're, where we're at. Well, if they without, told me that any, three years with, ago, with, I would have said how, that's ne- how, how would that ever without any investing? Well, that's the thing. We don't yeah. have private equity involved, you
3: know, of course, um, you and, know, and we've we, even seen it too lately. I mean, <laughs> you might get a bill from a company that they forgot to send you six eight months later for everything that they've done in the meantime, yeah, which is like thirty grand, literally. Yeah,
0: and you know you have to you have to be able to to, um, you know the waves, out here in the open ocean, uh, get bigger and bigger, and, and we're seasonal.
3: You know, yeah. we've really found that unfortunately,
0: and and so you have all this data, if you will. You know, you're able to look at year over year numbers because the platforms that we do have, and we have been doing a little switching around. You have um, year over year data, you have well, this work then, and then it kind of does change. We're learning as we get into the, um, I guess, if you will, the, the next phase of online uh, marketing is the buying the ads hasn't worked for us. No. It, you know, Grabbing big audiences that don't really care about us as so much as the subject matter in the case of the, the um, the fans of Brock's that, you know um, we have a great spice, fantastic spice. One of one, one of the best, my favorite spices, I go through a ton of it. Um, But not everybody that is a fan of him cares
3: about that. They just want to see him doing something. Yep. Um, It's amazing too. I, I think some of the conversations we've had recently, like, you know, can you fill every single niche of the market you are serving? Or at some point, are you just trying to do too much? Yeah.
0: Those are, those are certainly um, pitfalls that, that have come along our way. But it's, it's Phil that keeps us driving between the ditches, I guess, if you will. Because I think... We've always referred to him as our, our brand dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there, there, there's a, a scale. There's, a, there's a, a scale that we're on. We're, we're on the the ride now i don't think there's any getting off yeah and you know i see brands like ours reach different levels and then the next questions will be you know um whether or not they 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 fail Mm -hmm. they basically get so big they implode
3: well, and you guys are so unique, too. I mean, you you really, like you always talk about, we have multiple pillars. I mean, you have actual White Feather Meats, the mm-hmm. family-owned butcher shop. Mm-hmm. Then you have the media side, where you make a lot of money. And then you have a direct-to-consumer product through all that. But then even further, we're kind of getting into that point where we're supplying people with their own stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we do have multiple
0: revenue streams. And right. we do have challenges that mean... We have to spend time, like Seth and I spend the bulk of our time on the, on the, at the White Feather Meats butcher shop. And to the point where like some days, like we have a, a literal like lunch break, like we can't check our phones, emails, take calls. We can't do that until we get to our lunch break, like just the same way you would if you had a regular job. And a lot of people, in fact, I think almost everyone, if they would have had the growth on the other two pillars that we've had, they would have quit that job. Mm -hmm. Because it's an inhibitor to growth on those other platforms at some point. And that's where Phil's been important because he's been able to take the ball and carry it with a lot of that stuff, or else, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do the warehousing. We wouldn't
1: have um, got a lot of the other stuff done. Safe to say that because we we didn't quit our regular job, which is a butcher shop, um, Phil's the reason why we've remained, you know, on an upward uh, incline because without Phil, we would have, I, I don't think we'd. I know we wouldn't be where we're at because we were too busy cutting meat.
3: But it's incredible, though, too. I mean, the the amount of credit that you guys deserve for showing up, clocking in, clocking out, not getting a paycheck for so long, building the brand, building, you know, just the expertise that you have is, is just beyond what most people were ever willing to do, especially Thank you. nowadays. Appreciate that. A lot,
0: a lot of that has to do um, with uh, our dad <laughs> literally being yeah. like the stick. And we were so scared <laughs> we didn't do anything different. We used to
1: walk in the room and we'd pick up a broom and just act like we were sweeping the floor.
3: Well, and it's funny too. Like you just said that it's, it's unusual that you guys go in and work and can't check your phone. And I'm just thinking like my poor kids are probably going to be like, when was that ever a thing? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, So we're going to wrap up today's podcast. Um, That next growth pattern that we hit when Spencer and Phil were involved was instrumental to getting to um, the next level of the brand. And we certainly wouldn't be at the level that we're at today without those two involved with the brand. Next week's podcast, we're going to talk more about what it takes to 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 actually manage your deliverables now that you've now that you've got um some of that development behind you and we still do believe that we're developing an emerging brand but once that you do have that development behind you what are you doing to actually manage and complete the deliverables so
1: next week uh phil we'll have phil back I think we still need more out of Phil <laughs> because we need to bring in Chad, and those two. We'll bring both those in. Um, I think at some point
3: during next we'll week. I'll be curious show. to hear the story from Chad's point of view. I yeah. am
1: too, because like you
0: mentioned, with his you know contact with the customer, what what he hears on a daily basis, and then, which we don't know. He's quite like the we, filter. We, he really is. We uh, we don't I think ever the hear the other those thing stories. too. Is um, product management
1: so do you think we can bring Phil Chad and Dan all in on next week's show we'll have to see I mean we can definitely um, get hear that or we'll just put Dan on a whole separate show and the, yeah the we'll just see how it goes so, yeah, but so I think that's
0: the other one is, is 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 the inventory levels we just the product that you need we,
1: um, we want to move through this series as it happened so we'll we'll get them all in here and
3: yep. you know we always got to be selling so um, that's right Scott and Seth have further expanded things. And we are getting into private labeling, which I kind of mentioned earlier, but if anybody made it this far, that is available, private yes. label seasoning and uh, 3PL management. Yes. So, From the a idea company is, that's been through the ringer yes. and knows how awful service can be, we will not be that. There that
0: is the idea that we can offer all the um, pain that we hit with third market or third party fulfillment Getting a product to market, the
3: getting a website store, the website, for you.
0: the SKUs, the labels, the you know the legal part of it, um, and we'll have to bring this up in a future podcast about you just can't all the call time it that, the
1: Beard of Butchers.
0: That's right. <laughs> all the time that Phil has spent um, working on the tax part of it. Registration re- registering in, in in all the states you need to be registered in and in, in the legal part of it So just
3: email phil at bearded com or wholesale at bearded butchers.com. Yes We will there it
0: is talk to you about how your product can reach the market With a lot less pain than it took to get our product to market So that completes week two of the bearded butchers podcast building a niche brand Um again join us for more on this series as we continue to bring you
1: the stories that built the bearded butcher brand until next time see ya